Welcome to Carry On, the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church, where pastors get together and talk about what's coming up in worship this weekend. I'm Pastor Steve, and today, Pastors Megan and Pastor Brandon, I said that wrong, Pastor, because Pastors Megan doesn't really work. Pastor Megan and Pastor Brandon are both out of town this week. Pastor Brandon is on his three-month summer sabbatical. So we have yet another amazing guest speaker this weekend. I'm very pleased to uh, introduce you to Dr. Terry Elton, a friend and colleague of mine. So welcome, Terry. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, we're so excited to have you. You are a familiar face. This is not your first time at Easter. And uh, you're kind of part of the Easter family. So just tell us a little bit about where you are, what you're doing in life, and uh, what's been going on. Yeah, great. Happy to. Well, first of all, I live down in Apple Valley. So I bike by your church on a regular basis when I'm biking over in Egan. So that's always kind of a fun uh, reminder of I don't like the hill by Easter on the hill, but um, that's okay. Going and down it should be fun. Down, down it is fun. <laughs> it's not. And uh, I have got to a couple summers ago do some guest preaching as well when we before the pandemic. And throughout the pandemic, I've got to worship at really different places, and so I have enjoyed, especially this renewing worship series that you've been doing at Easter and. Um, have liked the different voices that you brought in, but also the reminders about revisiting and rethinking about the things we used to just take for granted before. So really excited that I was invited to be another one of your guests and get to be back at Easter in this yeah. way. And you were invited for this particular week for some uh, specific purposes. So this week, as we continue our series called Renewing Worship, um, you know, each week we've been looking at a different aspect of the worship service. And this week, our topic is children in worship. And I know, Pastor Megan, uh, when we were talking about who should we invite, we all agreed that you should do this one because you are, in fact, an expert in what some people call first third of life ministry children, youth, and family, you've taught that topic as a professor in that field at Luther Seminary for many years. I know you're expanding now, and you uh, you teach in the leadership field, and that's how you and I know each other uh, from, from Luther Seminary. Um, but tell us a little bit about what your experience is in like children and children's ministry. What's exciting you about this topic? Well, it kind of goes back to my days serving a congregation. So I uh, served on staff at Prince of Peace in Burnsville, just down the road from, from Easter for many years. And all of that time was in faith formation. Primarily, I worked with middle school, more confirmation and some high school. But in um, a period of time, I worked with children's ministry and family ministry. And I think that work plus my own experience as a parent, which we're going to talk about in my sermon a little bit more, um, really emphasized for me uh, both the importance of what does forming faith and the role of families and faith communities have in that, 
the role that has for shaping faith within, within people in their whole life, right? What we do with young people matters way longer than just a couple years when they're in middle school or when they're in elementary school. But it also made me ask a whole lot of questions. And so it made me become a scholar, right? Scholars are just nerdy people that have really deep questions and they keep asking them, right? So for me, to, to get to be able to be part of as a scholar, as a teacher of the church, research that studies living communities, the exemplar youth ministry study we were doing right when I, that was just finishing when I began here at Luther Seminary. So we did coaching with congregations on what kind of assets do you need to have, um, have a congregation that really takes forming faith with those in the first third of life seriously. And so research, uh, thinking theologically, thinking about what, what does church mean? I mean, part of what I'm interested about in this Renewing Worship series is it really gets at what do we think church is and what isn't it, right? What's the role it plays in our life uh, and in our life of faith and our community? And so those kind of questions were what drove me to get to be a teacher and scholar of the church in that way. I also have to just admit that I'm uh, I'm a nerd that comes from a nerd. My dad is a pastor was a pastor in the OCA who was also a professor, and his specialty was the first third of life. So around our table, uh, at in the evenings or on the weekends or whenever you bought a new boyfriend or friend around, my dad would just go into these you know nerdy questions uh, around faith and life and what it all mattered. So I kind of was in it uh, way long before I got to be study of it. So this is this was a joy to get to um, preach on a topic like this and really it was also challenging because I had far more to say than I could in the sermon. So kind of fun to get to think through some of that today as we talk on the podcast yeah. about this text and just about the role of children in worship in general. Yeah, for sure. And so before we dive into the text, um, I want to lay out a question for you. Uh, so I will lay out uh, an idea first and then frame it in a question. Um, you and I have a mutual friend, Jason Brian Santos, who uh, you introduced me to uh, right before the pandemic started, actually, at the extravaganza, the ELCA Youth Workers Extravaganza. And I just remember in his presentation, he talked about the one-eared Mickey Mouse, and which I know he didn't invent that. But he, uh, so for our listeners, what what I'm talking about is when you think about church, there are, and you think about worship in church. There's essentially two models for how churches approach children in worship, and one model is that education is a separate time space than worship. And the, the value is that families come and they worship together in worship. And then, you know, sometimes they do it like there's a Sunday school hour, either right before or right after worship like that. And so that children um, experience worship with their families as they grow up and it just becomes part of who they are. That's one model. The other model is what Jason called the one-eared Mickey Mouse. And this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but I'm holding my hand up, only one hand. And the, the idea is that 
the other model is that children, families come to church and the children get put in a room with just children while the parents go to big church. And so the parents experience the full worship service while children experience a children's, whether that's Sunday school or a children's church worship experience, whatever, but it's separate from all of the adults. And, you know, that's the model, especially at Easter by the lake, that is the model that Easter has had for years. And so um, I'm just wondering, uh, Terry, what, what are your, your thoughts about that? Like, is one better than the other? Is uh, how, how should we be thinking about that as a church? And then I think Jesus will respond to it in the text. So we'll kind of end with the text. Yeah, that's, that's been a question that's been on the table for children, youth, and family ministry for decades. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by giving you an and, and then I'm going to end by giving you a question. Um, I can see benefits of faith formation in both approaches. The benefit of the one-eared Mickey Mouse is that you get to shape worship or faith formation experiences, right? Learning activities, conversations, developmentally appropriate. Because it's always a, it's always a task when you've got three-year-olds and middle schoolers and young adults and elderly and everything in between in the same space and trying to reach all those audiences. So I think a lot of where the one-eared Mickey Mouse came was from really taking seriously primarily the developmental needs of kids because they were the ones, if you will, that were losing in the big church often. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's, it's a one-eared Mickey Mouse because <laughs> the children are the ear and the body is the head. I forgot to yes. explain why it's a one-eared Mickey Mouse. Okay. So the children are like this detached, uh, adjacent thing. Community in some ways. That's yeah. not actually part of the worshiping community. So sorry, interrupt. So there's and, a benefit to that is what and, and I think where that gets that the downside of that is when it it's it's slightly or not at all connected to the to the whole. Right. And I think over the years, that's what has happened. And by the way, the other ear is often youth. Right. So even youth and children aren't in the same. Right. So, right. so that the positive is taking seriously the developmental needs and the way of talking about faith questions and faith experiences in, in ways that matter. The the benefit or the positive about the other that you talked about is the intergenerational worshiping together that have, if you will, both the integration and some experiences, right, that allow affinity or developmentally different things is uh, what we found in the one-eared Mickey Mouse, and I have this wonderful, terrible story that I won't share today, but that that what would happen over time is that when it was time for kids to come into the big church, if you will, it was a foreign space. So the other approach says, welcome to the whole party. This is where the whole thing gathers, just like an intergenerational family gathering kind of thing. 
And there's aspects of this whole that are going to um, appeal to, you know, that are going to be understood at different levels for the whole. But just by being in the space and being formed in the ritual and in the hearing the word and singing the songs and praying the prayers, that you are part of the whole. And, and then the, if you will, separate experiences add meaning to the container, right? They say in confirmation, yeah, why do we have the creed? And then you sit down and think more deeply about the creed, but they already know the creed or they have heard the creed or participated in the creed in other ways. And so those are the two. The, the question for me is, what do we need today? Both are, if can be, if you will, a corrective or can have a way to get off, like big people church can miss kids, right? And especially if there's only a few, you know, it's really easy to miss kids, meaning it, it, it is so not speaking their level or or use different language or vocabulary or images or stories, right? And I mean, one of the things about children's sermons, and by the way, I appreciate that about Easter, that they, that is part of what they've incorporated, you've incorporated, right, in this time, is that children's sermons, while they may be geared specifically for young people, often have a bigger audience, right? There's an ability for other folks to translate. So by incorporating some of those elements, yes, they welcome kids, but they also connect it in concrete ways for everyday life, right? In in ways that sometimes the sermons don't or other things. So I, I have had people tell me I, I get more out of the children's sermon than the real than the the quote unquote real sermon. <laughs> and both both have a place, right? And so my question is, what do we need now? What is the what is the the most vibrant expression around faith? And um, I'm one, which I know, Steve, you are too. You and I have had this. It used to be that home was this grounding intergenerational community of faith, but that is less and less an experience for people. And so. If, if a kid doesn't come from an intergenerational faith family, right, the only intergenerational expression they have is the community of faith. And I think there is wisdom in learning from the elders and the young people and the, the new parents and, you know, all the way through. And so it, my bend these days is more towards the intergenerational because mm-hmm. I feel like that is more uh, meeting the needs of, of yeah. where people are, but that's really a call of congregations to wrestle with. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad you said that. And I'm going to risk being a little bully pulpit ish here, but we are making changes this fall around our worship. And we're going to be experimenting this fall with having families begin and spend almost the entire worship service together, which means we're going to have um, children's noises in worship and uh, not just the playground anymore, but, you know, very small children. Uh, We're going to try to gear the worship service to 
uh, all generations and the kids won't be dismissed until like maybe just 10 minutes before the end of the service. So that's going to be a big change. And so that's part of the reason why we chose this topic this week to talk about it. And, you know, Jesus has something to say about children. And that, so I think yes. it's good to end with this verse. Uh, I mean, not end, end, but towards the end of our conversation. So, Terry, would you read the text that we have assigned for this week? Yeah. Reading from Matthew 18, starting in the first verse. <clears throat> At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to the one by whom this stumbling block comes. Wow. So what are you going to do with that, Terry? What's Jesus talking about? What, why, what do we do? Well, because I was asked to talk about children and worship, I'm not really going to deal with the millstone. Okay, fair I enough. Think. Fair enough. Because um, there's a lot in those few verses. Can I just do one word nerd thing about that? Yeah, I would love to. The, the word, the phrase that's translated in the New Revised Standard is stumbling block. And the yep. Greek word is skandalizo, which is where we get the English word scandalize. And so we won't take the time to read it, but go back and reread verse six and seven and, in, and uh, exchange it with the word scandalize. Um, just fascinating, right? What is yeah. that? So you're not going to deal with that in the sermon. You're going to oh. deal with verses one through five, which is totally appropriate, I think. So when, when I'm studying for a text before I preach, I have a good, good time just being curious and don't really worry where, like, um, where it's going to go yet or, or how the pieces fit together. And so there were a number of things in here that caught my curiosity. Like at that time, that's how it starts. What? So, uh, so that's one thing that caught my attention. I'll come back to that in a minute. There's obviously the big question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's kind of a centerpiece. But who asks the question? It's the disciples. It's the inner circle. It's not the crowd, if you will. It's not the people that are just have heard Jesus once. It's the people that are really trying to understand. So let me pause there and put those three things together. One of the things in my study of this text is around time. 
this text is the disciple. Now, first of all, we know in scripture that we hear all the time, the kingdom of God is coming, the kingdom of heaven, you know, it's coming near. It's like, it's this ongoing theme, right? And so here the disciples, I think, are really trying to figure out, now, Jesus, what's the kingdom of heaven again? Like, I feel like there's that, it's an ongoing question that they have. And so this who isn't the greatest is just a part of a series of questions that they're asking around, how does this kingdom work again? Kind of thing. And so at the time, he, um, he's telling him he's going to suffer and die. So he's asking a deep question around, they're asking who is in this kingdom because I'm not sure I'm really happy about what we're being called into. Like it's a deeper, it's a deeper dive than they had thought, I think. Yeah. Deeper dive in what way? The Jewish people were, uh, were the in people. And I think they're trying to figure out, are we just in, are we the greatest or are we at risk or is somebody else the greatest? And when Jesus says children, he totally upends that. He says, no, it's the people among you that are most vulnerable and dependent. Yeah. And it's not only literally children, but it's children as a metaphor for all the vulnerable and dependent. Oh, that's so good. Because like we could go for another couple hours just on that, right? Because right. Jesus isn't just talking about how you should love children. <laughs> and this text isn't about whether you should have children in worship or not. <laughs> this is about um, the vulnerable um, when he says the stumbling block before the little ones in the section that you're not going to preach on, yep. those little ones are all of the vulnerable people in the world. <laughs> yep. Right? Yeah. Wow. And, and think about that. Think about our senior adults that no longer can come on their own. Mm -hmm. Right? Or think about the people with different kinds of handicaps, mm. right? limitations, that need others to get into the building or to find their way. And so for me, that's where this text really broke open was around how can worship be an embodiment of this new kingdom that we're called to embody? Oh man. Not I, just something I do on Sunday morning. I'm so looking forward to hearing your sermon. You and should come. I, I might, Hey, I might even be there. Oh, Good. <laughs> well, we, you know, Terry and I uh, talk often and we could talk for hours and hours and we, but we're not going to because it's a podcast and we're already over time. And uh, so Terry, just thank you so much for joining us this week. And to the listener, I hope that you, if you're listening to this in real time, uh, the week of this sermon, I hope you'll come to worship because we are worshiping in person once again as uh, nine o'clock on the hill 
10 o'clock at Easter by the Lake. And if you're listening to this some other time, then you can actually go back to our YouTube channel and watch this sermon um, that will be recorded and marked on August 1st of 2021. So uh, again, thank you for listening to our podcast called Carry On, where uh, our mission at Easter Lutheran Church is to grow in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Oh, sorry. Work of Jesus Christ. You got it. That's all right. You're not a regular, so you're allowed to mess up the words. (laughs) I got the gist, though. That's right. Excellent. Well, thanks. Tune in next time. May the road rise up to meet you. Upon your